This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Genesis 21.9, Genesis 21.9, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. She doesn't even say the name Ishmael. She just says that's that one. Anyway, and she's she's protecting Isaac. And this is how Isaac has basically grown up, with a very, very strong mother who, who has basically, he's a mama's boy. Now, Jacob's father, Isaac, had always been protected by Sarah, and Jacob's brother, Esau, was not like his father. Esau was not like Isaac. Esau was a hunter. He could kill deer. He could prepare savory venison stew, and Isaac loved that because it wasn't just that Isaac loved the stew, which he did, but but it was represented because Esau was a man of the field, and something that Isaac never was. So Isaac loved Esau. And Isaac really didn't care for Jacob because Jacob was too much like himself. Jacob was too much like Isaac. Isaac was a mama's boy, and Jacob was a mama's boy. He was the picture we have of Jacob. He's in in the kitchen. He's always in the kitchen. He's cooking something like lentils all the time. While Esau is out in the field hunting down deer. Very exciting. It says that in Genesis 25, 29, Genesis 25, 29, Jacob sawed pottage. In other words, Jacob was making soup or stew. And Esau came from the field, and he he was faint, and that was another situation. But anyway, Jacob had tried to make his, his father love him. Jacob knew his father loved food, so Jacob made the best food he could, the best lentil food. He he tried to please his father, but his father he wanted his father to love him, but it was always the same. You know, Esau would come home with the deer and Isaac would be thrilled. Oh, now I've got meat. You know, I'll be able to eat meat, Esau's meat. And so Jacob was always frustrated in his home because he knew that his father loved Esau and not him. He knew that. 
And there was nothing that Jacob could do to make his father love him, and he was frustrated. And so at home, Jacob always felt that his father was pushing him away in favor of Esau. And Jacob now, he's now where he's finally, he's being pushed out himself out of his home by his mother, Rebekah, who knows that Esau wants to kill him. And so Jacob knows that Esau is also good at killing, so that he, you know, he, he wants to get out. Now, this is how our history starts. This is the background. This is the stage. This is what's happening as we find Jacob running away from home with his father angry at him, his brother wanting to kill him, and his mother abandoning him. And this is his state of mind as he leaves home. And when we read now in chapter 28, Genesis 28, 10, 28, 10, this is what the backdrop and when it says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So when it says this, that Jacob went out from Beersheba, the awful truth is that Jacob went out alone, totally alone, absolutely alone. He's on the run alone. He's a fugitive. He's all alone. Why? All because he had conspired with his mother to lie to his father, to steal from his brother. But that's not the story that Jacob would tell you if you would stop Jacob and say, Jacob, why are you leaving home? Oh, he'd have a story. He would say something like, well, I'm off for romance. I'm off to go find a wife. I don't really like the girls back home. But, uh, you know, my mother's beautiful. She came from this place in Syria. My grandmother was beautiful. Sarah, Sarah, my grandfather, I'm going back there. I like the girls back there. I'm in search of an exciting romance. That's what I'm doing. And so what we see here when Jacob is a fugitive on the run, he's running away from his past, and that's a picture of mankind. That's a picture of man. Man is on the run away from God. As man is described in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, where it describes all of us when it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, it was Jacob's sin that was the real reason for all the trouble in his life. And it's man's sin. That's the reason for all the troubles in life. Because all men are sinners. As it says in Romans 3.10, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Romans 3.10. That's man. That's man. He's running away from God, just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they sinned, and what did they do? They ran away from God in Genesis 3.8. Genesis 3.8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Sin makes man stupid. That's <laughs> stupid. Man, sin makes man think, he can hide himself behind a tree that God created, and he can't see. It's like man says, okay, no one can see me now because <laughs> I close my eyes. That's what sin does, and there's only one way to break that pattern of sin and running away, and that's for man to face up to it, face up to the mess that he's made in his life. But God loves Jacob, and so God is driving Jacob into a corner where Jacob's going to meet God. I don't know why people have to be driven into a corner. I don't know why I had to be driven into a corner. I don't know why that is. Why it was that Jacob, before they turned to God. I mean, why don't people who are reasonable and they see, this, is, this makes sense. 
God's way of reconciliation? Why don't they just take God's offer of salvation on face value? Well, but man thinks he doesn't need God. You know, when the weather is 75 degrees in San Diego and the sun is shining, man thinks, who needs God? I don't need God. Living in beautiful San Diego, man thinks that I found a great way of life without God. I'm happy without God. That was the grand experiment in Europe, especially after World War II. How can we make a life without God and be happy? And they've been working on it ever since. But the Bible says that all of that, all of that life without God is described in Proverbs 14.12. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's a way of death. The absence of God in the life is the way of death. But Jacob's run away from home, it had a limit to it. He could only run so far. It had a limit. And he reached his limit in verse 11. In verse 11, where it says, he lighted upon a certain place and tarried all night because the sun was set. So Jacob has run, run, run as far as he could, but now he can't go any farther because night has stopped him. His run was measured. He's got to stop because darkness had overcome Jacob. And that's a picture of man and his life on the run from God. He can only run so far. His run is measured. And then he has to stop, if nothing else, because of Hebrews 9.27, his appointment. It's appointed unto man, Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Death stops every man from running away from God. In working at the cancer clinic, you see the determination of cancer patients. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to fight it down. I'm going to overcome this cancer. But sooner or later, what happens is 2 Samuel 14, 14. 2 Samuel 14, 14 happens. For we must needs die, and there is water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Or Job 14, 5. Job 14, 5. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. And so there's only... There's only one person who cheats death. There's only one person who cheats death. And the Lord Jesus Christ described who that person was, is in John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five. when he said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's the only person that cheats death. He is the one who believes into the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as Jacob he could only run so far. So man can only run so far away from God. And then darkness overcomes Jacob. And that's a picture of what happens to man who runs from God. Darkness finally overcomes him. He may not call it darkness. He may call it confusion. He may call it being unsure. He may just say, I'm just not sure. I just don't know. I just don't know. That's darkness. That's all darkness. If you ask people today, what's going to happen to you after you die? If they're honest, they'll say something like, I really don't know. I really don't know. King David described this darkness of the road that goes away from God when he said in Psalm 82.5, Psalm 82.5, they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, in darkness. In Proverbs 4.19, it says, the wicked are as darkness. They know not at what they stumble in John 12, 35, John 12, 35, the Lord Jesus said unto them, he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. In Isaiah 59, 
it's describing those who are in darkness when it says Isaiah 59.9, Isaiah 59.9, we wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night, and we are in desolate places as dead men. The darkness that overcame Jacob in verse 11 is symbolic of the darkness that overcomes man. And there's only one person who's not in the darkness of light. And that person the Lord Jesus described in John 8, 12. John 8, 12, when he said, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's the only person who's not walking in darkness is the one who's following the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jacob is stopped by the darkness. He's stopped by the weariness. He's got to sleep. And it says a very pathetic detail in verse 11, Genesis 28, 11, 28, 11. It says, he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. I mean, this detail about Jacob taking stones for a pillow, it really tells us a lot. I mean, just think what it would have been like. You know, you, you, you come to bed down and, and, and you don't have anything that could roll up. You can't take your coat off. It's too cold. And so you, you can't be dragged down by a big load. So pillow was not on the list to take, you know. And so you make stones for a pillow. That's just, I mean, how uncomfortable can you get? And, and so, but it shows, what it shows here about Jacob is that he had nothing. He had no provisions for this trip. And we've already said this is a 500-mile walk, and so it's going to take him at least three weeks to do that. He doesn't have a camel, so he doesn't have, he's got to carry everything himself. And what could he have with him? A staff, maybe, a little food, probably some gold, probably some jewels to help him buy some food. Oh, and that would make you feel real secure. You know, you meet someone you never saw before, and you need to buy some food and some water, and you pull out of your pocket some valuable, and you say, can you make change? You know, and the person you're buying it from, he's thinking to himself, what else has he got in those pockets? He's all alone. He's got no backup. I was hearing yesterday about a policeman in uniform. I was thinking of you, Eric. That he was on his way home when he pulled his private car into a gas station in uh, Logan Heights. And a man walked up to him and said, I'll pump your gas for $5. And the policeman says, no, that's okay. I'll pump my own gas. But the man says, no, you don't understand. I will pump your gas for $5. So the policeman thought to himself, I don't have any backup. So he says, sure, here's $5, pump my gas. Jacob had no backup. And so as Jacob beds down, with he has these three problems that are haunting him. First, he's alone. He's lonely. He has no one to be with him, no one to help him. Second, he's unprotected. He's unprotected from robbers. He's unprotected from animals. He's got no protection. Third, he's got no provision. He doesn't have, he didn't bring enough food for three weeks. He's got no food. He's got no clothing. He's got no shelter. No clothing's going to wear out. That's a picture of man without God with three basic needs. Deep down, there's loneliness. There's no one to protect. There's no one to provide. Man is lonely without God. He can be surrounded by his family. He can be surrounded by his friends. He can have his spouse. Or, but inside, he's lonely 
because God has created man with a void, with a void inside that only God can fill. No one else can fill that. The Lord Jesus Christ called this inner void. He said, this is a hunger, this is a thirst, which he said only he can fill. When he said in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of heaven. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then he said to the woman in John, the woman at the well in John 4.13, John 4.13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so God invites the hungry. He invites the thirsty to come to him. It's all about coming to him. He says in John 7, 37, John 7, 37, in that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. In Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 1, he says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligent unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, come unto me, and hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So Jacob's alone, Jacob's afraid, Jacob's exposed, he's unarmed, he's unprotected, he's afraid what might happen to him. As he falls asleep, can you imagine, as he falls asleep, and he's thinking to himself, when I go off guard now, and fall asleep, I'm really vulnerable. I have no idea if I'm gonna wake up from this sleep. He goes to sleep that night, and he thinks about all the wrong that he's done. And he knows he's lied to his wonderful father. He knows that he's conspired with his, with his mother. He knows that he has robbed his brother. And he knows this, and he, claimed, he can't claim to deserve to live, to not die. So there's this deep sense of guilt that's coming on Jacob now at night as he's going to sleep. That's the condition when he comes to this place that he calls in verse 17, verse 17, 28, 17. This is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. That was Jacob's condition when he came to the gate of heaven. That's the condition of everyone who reaches the gate of heaven. Everyone who reaches the gate of heaven is like Jacob. They feel scared. They feel guilty, they feel alone, they feel they're in darkness, they feel they're helpless. That's the ones who reach the gate of heaven. And if a person doesn't feel that way, they haven't reached the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven is reached when a man feels that way, when he feels scared and guilty and helpless, when he's at his limit, when he's at the end of his rope. Jacob has reached the end of his rope and he has a deep sense of repentance. So in that condition, Jacob goes to sleep. And we read in verse 12, Genesis 28, 12, 28, 12, he dreams. It's a vision of God. He behold a ladder set up on earth. The top of it reached to heaven. The angels of God ascending, descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou 
liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. So what does he see when he gets to the gate of heaven? A ladder, a ladder that's set up on earth and reaches all the way up to heaven. And he sees angels, they're going up, they're going down the ladder, and he sees the Lord at the top of the ladder. What's a ladder? A ladder is for access. I can't get to the roof unless I have a ladder. I have access to the roof when I have a ladder. And a ladder shows access, and this ladder reaches all the way to heaven. This is access to heaven. Jacob sees that that gate of heaven is, has access to heaven. And he sees the Lord at the top of the ladder. Who did he see? Who did he see? Because John 1.18 says, no man has seen God at any time. Is it the only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. No man's seen God the Father at any time. No man has seen God the Spirit at any time. The only person that Jacob could have seen was God the Son. Who he saw? He saw Jehovah Jesus. When Jacob was at his extreme limit, he came to the gate of heaven. And Jacob was, he was like Nathaniel. He was just like Nathaniel. Nathaniel was under a fig tree in John 147. John 147, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, the king of Israel. Thou art the king of Israel. Why did Nathanael say that? Because of what he was doing under that fig tree. What was he doing? His heart cried was going up to heaven. I believe he was actually meditating on this passage that we're talking about here with Jacob and the ladder. And then, because then the Lord answers right to him in verse 50 of John 150, John 150, Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So, so only this time, in this vision, what's happening here, it's the Lord who's on earth. He's at the bottom of the ladder, whereas Jacob, the Lord, was at the top of the ladder. In other words, this vision is that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, is seen by Jacob at the top of the ladder and God's reaching down to earth. And then later, when the Lord Jesus Christ has come to earth, he's the man now that's reaching up to heaven. It shows that in his deity, he's reaching down to earth. In his humanity, he's reaching up to heaven. He's the link. He's the link that links earth to heaven. He is the ladder. Now, because he said in John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man has access to the Father but by me. Or put another way, put another way, 1 Timothy 2.5, 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God and one mediator. There's only one God. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So as God and man, he's linking heaven and earth. And this is what Jacob saw. Jacob saw that he reached down from heaven to Jacob, who was at the end of his rope. And this is what he does for every person who comes to the end of their rope and reaches the gate of heaven. And the invitation is, I am God. I will reach from heaven to you if you meet me on my terms. If you meet me on my terms. What are his terms? His terms are, 
just as I am without one plea, except that your blood was shed for me. That's God's terms. God's terms are DRS. I am a dirty, rotten sinner. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.